Hello and welcome to Crimes Against Food. I'm Gloria Lind. I'm Mia Steele. And joining us today we have a very special guest. It's Marcia Bowie. Say hello Marcia. Hello Marcia. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I had to do that. <laughs> well you know you should hear some of the ways that I usually start off the show. <laughs> I, think I kind of ha- At least this time I haven't forgotten my own name. No. <laughs> so, uh, a, a, a welcome change and uh, haven't forgotten what the show is because today we're going to be talking about chefs and cooking which is to say that we're talking about professional and domestic cooking um and the crimes the crimes involved therein i think we're probably going to focus more on professional professional cooking but we're going to be kind of comparing it yeah because what we do is home cooking all the time isn't it we never do professional cooking yeah exactly yeah so but today marcia is joining us today because marcia has just completed her first year of training this is true yes and um so what did you do before you used to uh, cook marcia i was a paralegal um uh, for the past nearly 10 years i got made redundant in 2008 um decided that that was it I, i it was time to do what i wanted to do because I have to say, to follow my love. So. <laughs> when That's I first fantastic. when I first met Marcia, I actually met her in the context of in a kitchen. Basically, she actually, she no, used to I run used really to run a restaurant. That. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did used to run a restaurant, but focused more on on the front of house mm-hmm. before she moved into being a paralegal. And then finally, she admitted that um, what you've known all along. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's true. It's what a lot of people have known all along, and her friends and family are, are celebrating because they kind of really reaping the rewards of Marcia <laughs> training and needing to practice lots of dishes. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I never even thought about that aspect. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Wow. <gasps> and also, also, there is the other aspect of her kitchen equipment, which I haven't yet pounced on. No. But, um, well, you know... I think that's a large part of the difference between professional and domestic cooking. Yeah. The fact that professionals have, they have the stuff. Oh, yeah. That enables you, know you to be, you know, the professional. Do you know what Marcia has? <laughs> She have? She's got a jam. Cu- she's got a jam kettle. Oh God! Yeah. I bought that on Amazon, though. To be, to be fair, <laughs> anyone can buy those. <laughs> you know, Gloria's making eyes at me because we were once at a party, and um, one of her very nice friends came up, and I hadn't seen this nice friend of Gloria's for ages, and they started talking immediately about jam kettles. <laughs> and I think, I think, I think I was having like a bad day or something, and I sort of flounced off with the words, "I can't believe." We're already at that age when we're talking about jam kettles. It's a party. <laughs> it's Saturday night. We're talking about jam. I'm not. I'm not prepared to do this. And just walked off. And Gloria's well. Gloria's kind of well. If I mean, I think that's a bit out of order. But let's just carry on our conversation about jam. <laughs> yeah, that's why she's raising right 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 mate. It's on my agenda. You're gonna be wearing bonnets next. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I did uh, attend a workshop the other night on on, on pattern cutting. And uh, she said that her next workshop w- that she was going to run was on um, Regency accessories. And I was like, what do you make for Regency accessories? She was like, oh, you know, bonnets. <laughs> <laughs> and those pennies, the pennies that start right under your bust. <laughs> for that classic yeah. empire kind of. Mm. Yeah, because oh, I was like, you know, what does the, what does the Regency lady accessorise herself with? Clearly. Yeah. With bonnets, <laughs> they've got all kinds of things going under the skirts. That those, those long hiding skirts, there could be anything under there. There could be, there could be indeed. We have completely already. That, <laughs> that must be a record uh. for a tangent. <laughs> that must be a record. But so, what I thought we'd do is kind of take a, take a, a kind of step through of like 
what the differences are between because there are differences you wouldn't you know you see because a, a lot of it we see kind of chefs on tv and what have you and you know there's a lot i think there's a lot of interest in techniques of cooking and what have you you see people on master chef mm-hmm. and it's all very exciting there is a total difference for me between professional and domestic cooking um so i thought we'd kick off and get marcia to kind of talk about um like so you know training what happens yes. what did you learn what, what did you like? what do you learn do you actually well, know anything i mean literally for the first six months sources <laughs> sources 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 there was nothing else it was unbelievable um but yeah it's very much back to basics classic french style mm. um yeah T- sources they, there can't be that many sources in the world that you would yeah. actually don't, do don't, spend don't just six kind months. of learn like one basic white perfect white sauce and then accessorize it <laughs> so it's well, that is basically what what you do yeah. oh right okay <laughs> so that that's one aspect one one of the sources is the white sauce from which lots of other sources are derived <laughs> the adam and eve of sauces and then yeah then you've you've got your mother stocks <laughs> mother stocks oh yes wow is there any basically every mother Sorry. No, sorry it's just <laughs> if, you the mother if, if you have a really bad mother, you can boil her down. <laughs> What's a mother stock? Mm. Um, well, when I say mother stock, I mean, they, they consider that the mother of all sources is the stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you start off, basically every restaurant kitchen has the hugest vat of stock constantly bubbling away. I mean, they have special burners that are floor level because the, the pots are so huge. Oh my god! And they're just they're just constantly bubbling away. How do I, I have a stock question that now now, now <laughs> we've got a professional <laughs> in our midst. Yeah. Um, I have a problem when um, I tend to get things too salty, and I don't know how it happens. I really don't over salt. I don't, and yet, and but it can be happen. It can happen when I warm things up again. When I'm, it's kind of like day old, I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll just have that thing I made yesterday. What stock do you are use? You, yeah, are you using stock that you've made yourself, or like it tends it tends to be stock I buy in, or sometimes it's half and half. The the like main I'll, ingredient I'll, I'll is supplement stock that you with buy. just a bit of bouillon or something. Right, mm. the main ingredient is stock that you buy. Oh, you mean stock fresh stock? You buy fresh stock? No, well, I, I bought that once, but that was a bit of an error. It didn't go very well. It looked it was just gravy, really. <laughs> it was it was just chicken bits in gravy. I didn't like it, and um, but. I've I've done stock once with my mum and it was kind of like watery, lovely chickenness that we had to add a lot to to make it into food. Yeah. And then, but what I found is that even when I'm using things that aren't that salty, they they end up being really salty. And when I'm feeding people, they're like, "Oh, that's really nice," but they're like wincing. Do you ever add salt at any stage? I honestly don't. Half that's the amount really of powder. Really. If you use powder, I'd half the amount. Half that you it. Use. And and then you can always add more if you need yeah, it or add like a celery a stick but, of celery but w- what i want to know is w- when that means it's one thing for me who's kind of like at least i can just scrap my dish and start again if some if, if you're keeping a massive vat of something on the boil all the time what you're adding to it and isn't there a danger that you can kind of you know over season it or what, you don't what goes in the there? stock you, it's not seasoned you season the dish season the dish the end. Oh. yeah you don't season the stock oh, no so salt in it so basically to make the stock you just bones and things. yeah you roast bones and veg put them in a giant pot water and yeah with water and cook it down and then do the people just just take from that what they need yes cool nice i see that's that is one big difference between professional and domestic cooking because like if i want to make uh, like stock at home which i usually do with like a leftover chicken mm. like you know it's a bit of a faff 
and I only ever get enough to make like soup or one thing and I you know I'm not the kind of woman who's going to freeze chicken wings or you know have oh god bags. I did so do that <laughs> I have many carcasses in my freezer <laughs> yeah and you know that and and there are some stocks that i probably won't make at home just because i can't deal with it like veal stock i probably just can't deal with it and after my pig trotter experience which we all know about (laughs) i don't know that oh Oh. well maybe that's i made i made a pork pie and um i decided to make it from scratch and i decided to make the gelatin as well Mm -hmm. and uh and it was on a very cold winter's night and i didn't know quite how bad a pig's trotter smells (laughs) smells like hot lard Oh, you see, this is useful information for me because I was going to make a pork pie this week oh, with well, a pig's trotter. Well, just do it in a really well-ventilated area because <laughs> I swear to you, it's oh, the no. rankest smell in the world. I mean, the, the genitalin was fine and it worked absolutely fine. The genitalin? The genitalin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I find that genitalins are always fine. <laughs> well, but the best thing was her face. She made it, and she and she took it to this lovely kind of like bring your own dish party. Yeah. And um, she was kind of she had a curly face on. You know, you know it, it, when you get curly face, you're disgusted, <laughs> like prissed and and kind of horrid. <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, I made this pork pie," and I could see she was already sick of it because she, she yeah. did nothing but smell it for about a day and a I, half. It was, it was, it was, it was because and also because you, if you're making if you're making that pastry, it's with hot lard and. Mm. It's like, it's the one smell on earth that makes me kind of, like, ugh. God, I can't even begin to. Anyway, so those are (laughs) things that I, I, those are things that, you know, yeah, the utility in a professional kitchen is it's just there because that's what you do and it's there all the time and you don't have to think, okay, I'm going to make some stock. Well, I need to allow extra time Mm -hmm. to make the stock and everything. Mm. It's like when I was reading Elizabeth David's book on French provincial cooking and she's like, Everyone has like, you know, get a little demi-glaze going in your kitchen or like things cooked down. I'm like, in modern kitchens, demi-glaze means two glasses of wine, doesn't it? In, 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 in my kitchen, anyway. Get a demi-glaze going, fine. I'll be demi-glazed by the time they arrive and a half cut by 9pm. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to have a little thing of beef stock bubbling away on the on the stove. But you should, Gloria. Let this be a lesson to you. But... You know what? You can buy demi glass in bottles. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. Actually, makes gravy taste amazing. Really? Yeah. See, these are the things that your mother never tells you because she grew up with oxo cubes. (laughs) (laughs) So, after your six months of 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 sources, Mm. you know, were you before you were climbing the walls and kind of, you know, we were thinking, surely, surely, please, God, let the sources end. It was it was ridiculous. And what came after the sauces? Yeah, what did they break you in with? Um, actually, before sauces, we started with bread. We did bread first. That's oh. interesting. Um, but then, if you want to be a pastry chef, you, there's a, a whole nother course that you've got to do. So that wasn't for us, right? Um, so after uh, you know what, I can't remember what we did. <laughs> it was just a, the it was so were fascinating. So think, oh no, you. I can. It was veg cuts. We started with veg cuts. Veg cuts. Yeah. So the different shapes of vegetable cuts. <laughs> so brunoise, macédoine, all all the French veg cuts. Oh my god! And where they'd be used. So they start you off <laughs> doing a brunoise, which is a very tiny dice, okay. which is mainly for decoration. Um julienne that kind of yeah. thing okay i know julienne i know, I know julienne. that one but that's about it really yeah. mirepoix <laughs> mirepoix 
little points. What? <laughs> what does that mean? Mirepoix is kind of like rough cut, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I do. Rustic style. Rustic yeah. style. Oh my gosh. So you spent, this is where gee, professional cooking just, just it, I mean, yeah, yes, technique. And especially within the yeah. French cuisine, it's just like, wow, you spent a whole time like chopping vegetables. That was like three to four weeks on veg cuts. <gasps> three to and four then weeks you of chopping have, vegetables. Um, yeah, then you have an exam on it after that. Of but chopping then, vegetables. Yeah. So you, this, you, yeah. you end up cooking various different dishes that okay. encapsulate all yeah. the different cooks. But that's why you can go away from a course like this and you have it, don't you, for life then. It's in there. It's in your long-term memory. You're never going to forget how to do these things because mm, you've done it mm-hmm. over and over and over again to get it perfect. Yeah, completely. And then, and then you know, kind of, you, do you kind of start to look at more at the composite? So you're really, really looking at the basics here, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Like sources. These are the components which are going to make your dishes. Mm. The building blocks. Yeah, it makes sense though. I can see this that, that the structure of it does make sense. You need to know the building blocks before you kind of go on to construct a full a full dish, don't you? Mm. And then we there's a whole theory side as well, so we're not constantly in the kitchen. Oh, so right. the theory side and you get you know, you you're taught temperatures at which you can poach fish in an oven without it breaking up, that kind of thing. That is quite cool. <laughs> I quite like that. Don't ask me what the temperature is. Oh, she's about to. <laughs> she, she need her folder, her file, college file. <laughs> I was just about to ask you that. I won't know. <laughs> I need to consult my notes. <laughs> my large. Or you know, you could just add to the book of lies. We haven't, you know, yeah. we haven't, we haven't added to the book of lies for a, a while. I was just thinking how, um, how like it's just shameful. Like we're trying to have an adult conversation about sort of professional cooking, but we're getting left in the dust because you you only have to say a couple of terms. Sort of, you know, what was it? Mirepoix, something. Mirepoix. You see, you see. Already, I'm feeling, I'm feeling slightly ashamed and kind of <laughs> head, head is bowed. I know nothing. But then you don't need to know it because that's the thing, is it? It's professional cooking is a, is a is a thing in itself, and you need to know that because because you're going to use it. You can do the shapes at home and not know the term. I almost think as well that sometimes I think you you people who aren't professional cooks are meant to feel that way you know oh no you couldn't do this no um, then um, leave it to us the professionals yeah <laughs> there's a bit of myst- like a mm. mysterious well there mm. has to be or people would stop going to restaurants it That's has to true. be it has to be an alchemy doesn't it that you're not involved in that produces this miraculous world this this machine bit that you don't notice yeah and that is another problem as well when you've um trained you go into restaurants think oh god i could do this better myself <laughs> Yeah, it ruins it. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not all positive, Marcy. <laughs> I'm glad there's some big downside pieces. But also, I mean, I, I keep forgetting, of course, I think in, in my dream world, I'd have professional techniques, but only ever use them in my own kitchen. I have no intention of becoming a business in yes. this. I'd, I, I'd, I don't want to be a business. And and that's that's why you need all this technique and all this graft and kind of you know mm-hmm. incredible kind of technique and skill and learning the temperatures of how to poach fish without it falling apart in front of your eyes you need it when you're running a business that's what it's for it's yeah. not it's not for me yeah it needs it needs it needs to be foolproof doesn't it it mm-hmm. needs to not fail that's what you need to know it's consistency exactly. isn't it so what do you do like you kind of coming to the future you know they're going to make you chop fruit for you know <laughs> <laughs> You mean after I've, after I finished my course? I yeah, because you, so you've got exams, haven't you? Yeah. Well, we've done one set. How stressful is how stressful are they? They are exams? stressful. You well, for instance, I know that if I just cooked this the food that I needed to cook in my house, I'd be fine. But 
just just having somebody there judging what you're doing you know there's a time scale you just start to panic as i did in my last exam oh no what happened um well i ended up i was trying to work cleanly as i was telling gloria earlier mm-hmm. on um we're told we have to work cleanly um so i ended up doing too much washing up and not enough cooking <laughs> oh marcia the curse of the lady <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, I was thinking that exact thing, but not in such a kind tone as you put it. It's like the curse, the curse of the lady. What have you done to us? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's so ingrained and, you know, there you are, that kind of cleanliness and, and you're trying to do the right thing and it's kind of not scuppered you, but it's made you feel bad at the end of your exam that you spent too yeah. much time washing up. Do you think that like the part of the exams are also part of like learning how to cope under pressure? Because I remember working with chefs on the other side on the kitchen and if they started to have a meltdown in service like you know you'd just be like oh come on mate come on yeah i know what you mean um i think you do have to be able to cope with with stress especially in you know high volume kitchens i think not so much at the higher levels because well i know for instance that i think it's marcus waring's restaurant um at the barclay he has basically one chef per customer so it's a non-stressful place apparently that's because you did you did a stint in a professional kitchen didn't you yeah i'm doing another one as well (gasps) how exciting and what's it i mean like that the atmosphere of being in the kitchen i suppose especially as you're learning you're kind of there wanting to soak everything up like you you didn't see anyone having to see anyone have a meltdown come on we haven't said Um, where it is i want to you know come on give us the gas no nobody had a meltdown um I was lucky in the the Devonshire Arms where I was. They they didn't open at lunchtime, so basically you've got the entire day to get your mise en place together, and then you do your service at, from six o'clock. It's very long hours though, so it was nine until three o'clock. So to, to do the prep, and then you were back on to service six till well whenever. So six till midnight Killer. most nights craziness which we should talk about that later we should kind of touch on that later because that's two jobs isn't it yeah everybody else out there that's that's two jobs that that's what i would consider having two jobs two full-time jobs yeah you have the prep and the the service yeah Mm. but basically if you've got sorry gloria if you've got your um if you've prepped properly you know that everything's going to be okay for service so Mm. you don't stress you don't get stressed during service yeah yeah no i can i can understand that yeah when i used to i mean when i used to do front of house stuff if i you know, it would be, I'd need to know that I was set up before it all mm-hmm. all went. And yeah, there was nothing more irritating than someone dragging their feet on, on set up. Because it'd be like, I need it flipping ready because mm-hmm. I do not want to be in the middle of service and go, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Where is that freaking thing? So when you kind of, you're, you're, after you finish your terrifying exams and what have you, <laughs> are you kind of, how long how long would it take before you kind of, say yeah i can get in the kitchen that's me kind of you know or out on my own i'll set up and that's i'm fully qualified and well i think if i if i was to go into a a, uh, established restaurant kitchen i'd have to go in as a coffee chef which is the lowest of the low you'd be you know the runt at the bottom of the litter (laughs) um but i realized when i was at the devonshire um i mean i was i was on pastry for two weeks but i realized that i hate not being in control i have to be in charge (laughs) You realise told what to do. I, seriously, it's not good. And yeah. restaurant kitchens are quite hier- hierarchical, mm, aren't they? Very, very. Yeah, it's 
so that's another thing that's different about domestic and professional cooking mm-hmm. isn't it like because it, yeah it's it's, it's all <laughs> yeah. it's all shout out yes chef you know or as there we chef no way we you had to say we. That's <laughs> yeah. really was anyone in the kitchen actually french no <laughs> oh no no i tell a lie sorry no yes the sous chef was french okay. <laughs> oh wonderful we oh. chef that's so good oh my gosh you weren't in... told that you had to speak french but it's most of them what did. They did i felt slightly uncomfortable i said yes oh that is so good i <laughs> love that we chef do they say anything else in french or just we chef just that pretty much that's really oh my good. god but i suppose in that environment I mean, it's high pressure and you you must feel so singled out so much of the time because if anything goes wrong and it's your section it's so plainly your fault there's no one to hide behind is there should we ex- actually explain the sections like in a, in a professional kitchen mm. like if you're in the kitchen like in, and you're following a kind of french cuisine mm-hmm. like what who do you have on on a night say like who's who's in charge depending yeah. on the kind of food that that comes out there's usually pastry section there's larder which is generally starters that are usually cold um or don't require very much cookery um head chef is usually on the pass so mm-hmm. he's checking the food as it's going out making sure everything's plated up properly um in some restaurants they have a grill chef so he'll cook the meat basically um like a big barbecue yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um where i was that they had three or four chefs to party who so one was responsible for the fish dishes and I think a couple were responsible for the meat dishes. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's that. And which station did you work at? I was on pastry. And how long was that for? Two for weeks? two weeks, yeah. I'm going back again for another did two weeks. Did the same restaurant? Yeah. And where were we this time? Do you know? It's, uh, um, no, I don't actually. I, I would presume larder. I don't think they'd let anyone loose. <laughs> uh, any college student <laughs> loose on, you know, the good stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, they come in to find you kind of on the path practicing. <laughs> screaming out your insults and demands. <laughs> Brilliant. I have Embarrassed, to say, red and flushed I have and backing to say, away. On the pass is some of the most thrilling place to be. I love it. I know, me too. It's great. I mean, not on the food side, but I did do one stint on a restaurant that had just opened. Mm. And we were having trouble with like front of house and kitchen kind of handling because there was quite the way that they decided to send orders out. It's kind of, you know, you had to load up trays with loads of stuff. So it was kind of a bit of a pain in the ass. So they got me to be to stand on the other side of the pass and basically be the front of house pass with the chef with so the head chef could kind of concentrate more on coordinating his team it was the most fun i have <laughs> had it was so thrilling because it's you know you just come through and i had all the kind of you know the the buses coming through going i need this and i'll be like talk to me wow <laughs> power yeah i was probably like talk to me okay <gasps> go is that right chef i need this Bang, bang. And at the end of the night, the guy said to me, he said, you really enjoyed that, didn't you? I was like, yeah, I loved it. If, I, if it was always like that, you know. But the thing is, that's not a role that you normally need front of pass. You know, normally it's the, it's the pass. The pass is no, on the other side. There was somebody. Was actually, there? Uh, yeah, there was. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. I don't know. I think, I think that's the kind of thing I could do occasionally and rise to challenge and relish it. But by and large, I'm quite pathetic. And I like... <laughs> 
I'm also, you know, um, I'd probably coast along the back of the kitchen and be like, yes, chef. And, 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 and just be grateful for my pat on the head at the end of the day if I hadn't, if I'm not to wreck anything or burn the kitchen down. That's what I was like at first. When I first got there, I was really nervous. Like, yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to have to say yes, chef. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but no. after a bit, you're just like, service. <laughs> Shouting it out. Yes. Come on. <laughs> there was definitely, I, I don't know, I always liked... You know, when I was when I was front of house, I always like coming co- coming in and hanging out with the the kitchen. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Does it feel like the real place to be? Yeah, it's a real a place to be, and also it's fun to be a front of house staff who is has a good rapport with the kitchen. Because if you mm. kind of if you if someone's fucked up a dish or what have you, you need to be able to say to the chefs, "Okay, can you do me a favour? This guy's fucked it up." You know, you need to not make mistakes. Because then they get annoyed with you. <laughs> but mm-hmm. if you if you're if you if you're on good terms with them, it makes makes life a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, other mm-hmm. than just stalking into sneer when something goes wrong. Yes, <laughs> I need it right. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, it's definitely. But I was just I was just thinking about kind of like the bonds it must create between you and the, and the people you work with in in that environment. It's it's very high pressure in those situations. It's like anything else where you're on, you're kind of you know under attack as it were. There's somebody screaming orders at you and things. If you manage to get through a shift without mishap you'd feel amazing and the people who went through it with you they'd feel like your new best friends wouldn't they you'd be like oh god we're great there is it's, it's, it's a lot of like yeah yeah it's, it's it is really good and you're kind of on a high when it's finished as well yeah mm. like i couldn't sleep because i stayed over there as well and i just i just couldn't sleep afterwards because you're just buzzing yeah there was great. Always, there's always that thing there's a reputation isn't there of chefs of kind of being quite hard living kind of really full-on people i mean like you know books like kitchen confidential probably oh, really <laughs> yeah just really kind of you know gave gave that impression of like you mm. know really macho hard living finish the shift go out drink you know get up again four hours later you know start the whole day again kind of thing but yeah probably part of the kind of camaraderie kind of thing which is i don't know i mean it must be great when you're doing it but it's it's, it's a false reward because you're still working 12 hours a day for these people you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like but look what you get in return oh all these buddies and friends and yeah. that amazing buzz when you can't sleep and it's one in the morning and you're still not rested <laughs> and you're up to do service on prep or whatever the next morning i don't know it's it's, it's kind of hard i remember um, a family friend did the whole split shift thing and i couldn't really get my head around it and i think i was only 15 and I, I sort of dreadfully thought, is this what everyone has to do? Am <laughs> I going to have to just like, come home and sleep like the dead for an hour in the afternoon and then go back to work? They actually slept. You see, oh, I, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I did kind of split shifts that weren't quite as long. I did, you know, when I was wait- waitressing, you do quite easy split shifts. You'll do like a 10 till, 10 till 2 and then a kind of 5 till close, which is easier than what what a chef would do what mm. would a kind of chef do in a kitchen it would be like nine till nine till three to get the prep done and then six till finish six till close so on a quiet night that's probably 11 but on a busy night so on a weekend it's at least one uh, so is that the one of the kind of major downs of a professional kitchen absolutely positively yes <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe they do it and still function as human beings What's the kind of age of people in the kitchen? I mean, are they are they all quite young? Or yes, do you... yeah, they're they're often very young. So some are straight out of college. Um, the majority in their twenties, 
Yeah, because what do you do when, you know, because you do get older and you don't want to flip in no. be on your feet for 59, you know, as he says at the ancient age of 30. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't, you know, what do people do is they, if, they, if they move up through the kind of, through the ranks and mm. say you're kind of like head chef or what have you and you're kind of in your, like, I don't know, mid 30s, late 30s and you're kind of at the top of your game and you're still, are you still working those bitch long hours i know a lot of them do yeah i mean i think it's it's only your celebrity chefs that uh, don't actually slave away in the kitchen as much as as others but yeah there's no point in which you can sort of sit back and rest on your laurels is there because the whole thing is riding on on upon you getting it right the yeah. pressure must just intensify the higher up the ladder you go and then when you become head chef the final responsibility is yours isn't it and if it mm. goes wrong you, you can dole out some crap to your little underlings and kind of scared imps running around <laughs> julian in carrots but at the mm-hmm. end of the day it, it's you it's your head who, that will roll isn't it if, yeah. if something disastrous happens or if you know people just think that you're a bit crap <laughs> <laughs> so i suppose if you're being conscientious and you're in charge you would want to be there for all of it yeah I think it must play havoc trust. with a personal life yeah i think there's a lot of trust that um that goes with it as well because i mean clearly head chef is the one that comes up with the recipes but they don't do the prep or the cooking anymore generally Mm. so you've got to then trust your team to be able to do it the way you want it yeah and relinquishing that that responsibility i i think i I would find that really hard yeah because you want yeah the final say Mm. it's like I mean, there are other ways to cook, aren't there, professionally? Mm. You, you don't have to cook in a restaurant kitchen. You no, could, absolutely. You small can do business. C- catering, small yeah. business. Mm-hmm. Private chef, someone? Yeah. Oh, wow. That would be pretty awesome. I have thought about that, actually. <laughs> I'd quite like that. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be uh, quite awesome. But I don't know if there's much call for it around here. No. Uh, no, there are, there are some fairly rich people in Yorkshire, I think, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Marcia has been compiling a list. Yeah. <laughs> if you're worth a few quid and you're in the locality, watch out. Yeah. She's gunning for you. Yeah, if anyone's uh, anyone's got a few bob wanting to employ Marcia, I can vouch her food's fucking amazing. Uh, you know. <laughs> like that, there's that statistic that says, ah, but there are more millionaires in Yorkshire than there are in Mayfair. I'm like, well, of course there are. Yorkshire's a giant county. <laughs> yeah, it's huge, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the biggest county, isn't it? But at least half the millionaires in Yorkshire just have... It's all squirreled away in pennies in, in the house bricks. <laughs> nobody will land. ever know about it. In, in land, isn't or it? In land, like, they're yeah. millionaires in land and actually have, you know, the houses falling down and mm-hmm. what have you, you know major landowners <laughs> but yeah have no have no money but any if you're one of those cash rich millionaires <laughs> i'm available <laughs> wow that sounded a bit that bad really sorry <laughs> i'm not available <laughs> she's available but not like that get your mind out of the gutter <laughs> <laughs> but um i suppose the other thing i was gonna mm-hmm. talk about is um apart from the evil of the of the hours which is just crazy why why french why french what's so great about french food why why do you learn french i don't know <laughs> it's just accepted isn't it i mean you think cooking you think french cuisine it's it's it's, it's the benchmark against which all others fail according to the french yeah, <laughs> yeah, and according to the rest of us it's just it is it's it's still it's it's classic isn't it yeah because i think most most chefs train under a French method, don't they? Like mm-hmm. if you're if you're a trained if you're a trained chef, then you'll have you'll have done 
the whole sauces for six mm. months and the, <laughs> you know chopping vegetables for weeks and the, <laughs> all of all of that stuff mm. and even if you end up quick cooking in a different cuisine which i find really interesting because it's not like kind of middle eastern food or or kind of it like say even mediterranean italian food you know chinese food don't have those kind of those techniques no that's fascinating because now you've got me thinking about the kind of these sort of restaurateur or entrepreneurs who open up restaurants in a sort of ethnic cuisine and but they're they're taking their kind of their french learned skills yeah and in that the recipes they can't remain virgin and and pure they are diluted and they're kind of polluted with with that french influence because that's how they're being made yeah there must be tiny tiny tweaks to these things that they're calling authentic but aren't really authentic anymore well, you get you get fusion food from that, don't you? You kind oh, of get the evil fusion. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, not not a fan. Not, Marcia, not, a fan. not fusion <laughs> so much as just like dirty French fingers like, <laughs> in ev- in every bloody pie. <laughs> get out! <laughs> ah, yes, the old Anglo-French relations. <laughs> Surface again. I, I happen to love France, but just the thought of it now, it seems like some vile takeover bid. Mm-hmm. Well, you <laughs> see, we, everywhere. We, I started thinking about this, and we were just when we were talking before the show, and I, I kind of had in my head, I was like, I am sure the reason that the the French, um, the French cuisine is is the one that you learn. I mean, yes, it's probably because you know, in relation to British cuisine, we don't really have a technique you know just like i want some meat <laughs> and some potatoes <laughs> dried fruit gravy features largely doesn't it yeah yeah <laughs> you know but i think and i i remember reading that it was about it was also about um about the french wrote it down and i and i'm sure it was in elizabeth david but i was flicking through the book and i couldn't find it but then we kind of had it had a little bit on the uh, that that source of reliable information wikipedia mm-hmm. and um and they were talking about uh they the the French were the first to kind of regulate and rationalise their techniques, their recipes, and and the way that the way that you trained. So it was because there was a kind of standard way that you did it. It could be taught because there was an agreed way of doing it. So they and just got there first. They just got yeah. there first, and then we were saying it must be a scoffier. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. kind of. So Scoffier was a food writer, wasn't he? Yes, was he? early 20th century. Early 20th century. And what what did he do? Like, just wrote a great big book about French food? or He wrote the classic tome on French food, yeah. The first one, basically. Oh. Um, well, for instance, if you do the Rue Scholarship now, you've got to... Which is... Um, you can... Um, it's a competition whereby if you're under 30, which sadly I do not fall into this category. <laughs> Boo! Boo-hoo! Um, <laughs> it's competition, so you end up, I think you end up with a job in one of his restaurants, uh, Michel Roux's restaurants, and um, you you get the chance to go to a three-star restaurant in Europe as well for a, a work placement or a stage, as they say in the trade. <laughs> <laughs> Another um, of those terms. <laughs> But yeah, and you have to cook something in the competition from Escoffier. Ah, oh, that's really interesting. So this book that was written at the beginning of the 20th century, and you still cook something that he wrote down and said. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. amazing. I suppose it's not just about kind of um, bothering to write it down. It's also about how, how much food mattered socially as well. Kind of. Yes, I think there was probably a political statement yeah, there. Yeah, and... and, and 
I don't imagine a national idea yeah. of food. I don't imagine it, it was much of a part of a person's public importance and you know, kind of splendor being able to eat in these fine eateries and things and restaurants the way it would be in France. It's, it, I don't think it was the same in England around the same period. There wasn't well, the, the same the, devotion the, uh, to kind of the purity of the ingredients and this kind of this grandeur. The restaurant as well was different. Were you saying something earlier, Marcia? Yeah, the yeah. The, the French nicked the idea of the restaurant and eating in courses from the Russians. And the Russians went over to France, um, I think it was the 19th century, it could be earlier, don't quote me on that one. Wasn't it, wasn't it kind of, uh, there was a, there was a lo- long kind of history of it, wasn't there? And it, was it just after, was it the aristocracy went after the kind of fall of, ah. after the, the October revolution? I'm, I'm convinced it was before that though. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. And what, they, what were they, we they talking about again? Sorry. Sorry, um, Russian, French, sort of the, the interrelating of the cultures and things yeah, like that, that, that yeah because they were fascinated weren't they with with, with the kind of the, the all the cities of, of, of europe paris and rome and things they kind of recreated a lot of their architecture mm-hmm. isn't saint petersburg kind of an homage to a, to a lot of parts of europe mm-hmm. particularly paris i think and um and that that makes perfect sense actually mm-hmm. because there would have been a lot of because the french cross-contamination the, <laughs> <laughs> the french used to um basically they would cook all the food and they'd eat everything together so all the courses would be yeah. served at the same time which until... i like because i'm so greedy yeah, i, prefer I, that I just i well. just like to set everything in front of me <laughs> yeah a spoonful of sp- a one big massive spoon in my hand and just crave it towards my face like some bored <laughs> beast <laughs> but it's more social though as well I it think. is yeah and like the act of sharing i just i just prefer that kind of eating and and the people who are eating in in, in the courses in in the really kind of fabulously expensive courses were the elite the russian elite and that's mm, and they were eating yeah. they were eating the things that nobody else could afford and it was in such a kind of a sick i can't even think of the word extravagant way but more than extravagant it, it, it was it was it's because russia, russia russia had serfs russia yeah, of course. was a, and the, a, an agrarian economy on that kind of same kind of medieval level as and the people on top was. riding the top of this pyramid of kind of of, of serfs were they were the ones who were in course and they, they you know they popularized the kind of the tiny cups of vodka and the caviar <laughs> and everything and, and that that's all kind of like clicking into my head now because i'm sure i saw a documentary about oh, it a while ago it's uh, but that's really i i think i think i prefer yeah the feast feast all at once on a, on a big table in front of me with no other guests <laughs> 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 that's, how want, that's how i want it <laughs> so how is it how is it different right to cook professionally than it is to cook at home so it's quite nice having you on it because you know you for a long time you were someone who was really interested in food and cooked to a high level at home but didn't cook professionally. Mm-hmm. So, because y- you know when you see like all these programs, like you know when people are like, "Oh, I love food, and I want to, I want to, you know, I want to open a restaurant." Whenever I hear people say, "I want to open a restaurant," I'm like, "No, you don't." <laughs> no, no, they're, they're like making hard. the odd dish to impress their friends and family. Yeah, they don't want to be a business person in food. Yeah, I think it's a very you, different thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? It is different. So, what you say the kind of the differences apart from the hours? Well, the mm. hours clearly. Have you lost well, your love of food just b- b- because now it's your profession as opposed to just a I hobby? I have lost or... my love of certain dishes after practicing and practicing and practicing for my exams. Oh, Boeuf bourguignon I loved before. I mean, it's still, you know, clearly it's very tasty. <laughs> but if I see some more shin of beef, then, you know, if it weren't already dead, I'd have to kill it. <laughs> but you're still, you're still cooking at home. I mean, you're practicing and what have you. Yeah. At home, oh, yeah. practicing oh, yeah, techniques. I still cook at home. 
constantly. Yeah. Do you put the same effort into your in, in into just eating at home? That's not anything no, from practice. No, absolutely like you used not. to. No, because you don't have the energy. Like the the create so for a lot of people, they have office jobs and things. And if you've got any creative impulses, you can channel that into your food, and you can be a little bit imaginative with your dishes and things. If you're doing that anyway for your for your job for your upcoming profession, you probably just want to veg out. And just not look at another plate of food. Tell you what, I honest. don't really cook French food at home. I know mm. that much. It's usually Italian. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, just like, yeah, <laughs> had enough of the, the the French thing. I mean, I suppose the scale's different, mm. isn't it? Absolutely, you... yeah. And what you were saying before about consistency, you know, you've got to get it right every time. Whereas at home, you know, oh, damn, I've ballsed it up. Oh, oh I'll just turn it into a curry, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and presentation is the major thing you know at home you can just slap it on a plate and the other half he's generally going to eat it (laughs) he's not going to go sorry I'm not happy that that piece of cucumber is in the wrong place (laughs) so yeah presentation is the major thing you've got to think about you've got to think about having squeezy bottles so that you can artfully decorate the plate with sauce that kind of thing oh yeah the squeezy bottles of, of, of reduced balsamic vinegar yeah. there's a particular one years ago when i was working like in i have a question mm. okay Marcia. can i just say oh. mia just put her hands up <laughs> my name is mia i'm 29 i'm from leeds and i have an interest in cooking i would like to know <laughs> sorry <laughs> i felt all blue peter for a second um what's your favorite piece of equipment that you've since discovered i mean you know in in the kitchen what's the thing you use like that that never loses shine for you now when you say equipment are we talking you know pans and pots yeah i mean the it's whole shebang because s- some things are life-changing the first time you use a great big beautiful enamel pot or something and you're like god oh, this can do everything or you know a certain knife actually there's probably two there's two there's two you, things yeah. there's two things in there isn't there one that you've discovered s- since training yes. and love and maybe one that you could only use in a professional kitchen and one that you've you just use yeah. and love and, and one that we should have the one that we could have in a domestic setting professional and domestic please marcia yeah. take your time right. take your time <laughs> <laughs> right let me think a potato ricer really really that's amazing which which one is that because i mean we could have that but is that is, is that a professional choice just as long as it's stainless steel and it you know it's not one of the crappy round ones you buy from certain internet shops. <laughs> That's a voice of experience um, there. Yeah. <laughs> Stainless They're really steel. good there. I mean, because previously I've used a moolie, which I still love. Yes. And still use to make mash every now and again. Is Brilliant. it worth it? Is it worth ricing the potatoes to yes, make mash? Yes, yes, And yes. Again. Wow. <laughs> but I, you can only use, is it, but the potato ricer... Is it just for mashed potatoes? I mean, can't you leave it in the little wormy squibbles? <laughs> or, or is that unattractive on a plate? I don't know. That would be cool. I think I might have to try that with something. <laughs> um, but a potato rice, and that's the thing that we should have because it will make our mash amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. I love that. That is the most random. Uh, can, yeah. can I just talk about my new purchase? Go oh, on. Go on. Recently bought a cream whipper so I can get into making a spuma. And oh my god, I'm so excited! Okay, espuma is that like snot? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a little bit. Like... It comes from Ferranadria at El Bulli. Oh right, yeah. So it's French. Uh, sorry, <sighs> Spanish for foam. 
Mm-hmm. So it's all these these foams that are very popular at the moment, molecular gastronomy, that kind of thing. Oh uh, yeah, all so that Heston, all Heston yeah. business, Heston nonsense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just waiting for the nitrous oxide charges to arrive. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Look at you! And I'm really really excited. What can you put in it? Anything? Um, you can put anything in it as long as it's got something which something in. So it's basically, you make a sauce. Mm. Um, and it'll come out as foam but it has to have a high fat content so that the fat will trap the air or it needs to have gelatine in it so that'll do the same thing basically what 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 thing have you really got like that you want to make with it that you're like thinking oh my god now i can foam something well one of the easiest things is a chocolate chocolate chantilly, which is you know it's chantilly cream. Yes. Oh yeah. So it's very similar to that, except Hobber. basically you just meet, you just you just um, make you get equal quantities of water and chocolate, heat it, let, let so the chocolate dissolves, and you can do it by hand, but it's very laborious, takes a long time. So you well, so once it's dissolved, you let it cool, get it, in, put it into your espuma gun, um, charge it up, and then it'll come out as as basically it's going to look like chocolate cream so amazing oh god that's that's the most simple one amazing remind me after you finish podcasting (laughs) i have a cooking question i need some help with please (laughs) (laughs) it's not nearly interesting enough not that anything i say is interesting that's been this but this is really really in the doldrums of of interest so i'm gonna keep it till after yeah you're not gonna you know hey there could be someone out there me who'd be like i wish i knew about (laughs) Uh, very boring things. No, no, I won't force <laughs> no, you. I won't no, force you. Don't make me. No, can no. I tell you about my other perks? Go on. Oh my god. Well, I've gone really molecular. I'm so interested in molecular gastronomy at the moment. So I've been buying chemicals. Oh my so god. So I can make. So I can um, do spherification. What is that? So basically, turns a liquid <laughs> into. So you can make like caviar of any liquid, or you can make. Um, kind of ravioli of any liquid so if you can make soup ravioli so it won't have any pasta around it or anything it'll just me me and uh, me, me and i's mouths are kind of uh, open and it's amazed very, it's, very excited it's like it. she just told me that inside her there's a little mouse pulling all the levers <laughs> that actually operates her body i can't <laughs> quite fathom she just said soup in a bowl to me <laughs> Marcia, <laughs> what are you talking about, woman? You've gone over to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> so while you were talking earlier on about differences, I think that is one of the major differences. You can, you know, yeah. you can really go to town. Oh my god, ravioli without the, without the pasta. But then I practice on people. So. <laughs> oh well, you know what a shame. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, the, the, the uh, crimes against food will always be yeah. interested to do some tasting of molecular cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm definitely. I, I could definitely fit that into my. Yeah, home. yeah, we can. We can help you out with that. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, give me, <laughs> these, give me these ten minutes notice, really, and I'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. We're coming. Just, just, just set off running from whichever point of Leeds you're in. Just pounding the pavement. <laughs> mm. Although that does, it's quite, it's quite a good one to talk about because I was the one. The other thing I was thinking about is um, professional cooking. Okay, so we get it. it's different from domestic cooking. There's you know a number of things that that differ about it what are the things about kind of not the process but the results of professional cooking that kind of are not so great 
the like, results as in what you end up on the plate what yeah, ends up the on plate, the plate the, f- the plate of food the food what's not good like, well i don't know i know it's, it's a weird thing because we struggle with this in the show when we kind of go crimes against food and quite often we yeah. just end up going it's brilliant yeah <laughs> there's a lot of that isn't there we're often recanting our lies yeah. <laughs> this is about actually it's pretty good we do like that um but yeah the only thing the only is, thing is there anything that's suffered by way of association with a professional kitchen that you can think of no, like you I'm know, st- like totally stumped by the well, question. No. Well, I, me too. I, I mean, because I think for me, there's a certain thing about fussy food. I mean, particularly kind of Michelin mm. starred food. I'm not that interested. Technically, it's exciting, but to consume, I don't know how interested I am by it. No, and I think when when somebody says to me, "There's th- there's a delightful splash of foam or something on the side," I that that doesn't sound particularly big in volume or mass like it wouldn't fill me up well, it doesn't sound the point of it, is it? well all right glory well it's the point Sorry. of it for me <laughs> if i'm eating i don't know i don't i want the growl to have gone yeah and i know fish. what you mean often yeah uh, you stuff like that i mean have you eaten any michelin starred food? no no i've never kind of, it's on my list it's on mm. my list but uh when, when, when i've when i've started being rich and stopped being poor <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be so into that it's not that expensive some of it you know seriously really? yeah, yeah i was surprised well Plus at college as well, we often have Michelin chefs oh. coming and cooking with students. So you get to eat wow. Michelin quality food for like 20 quid. That's amazing. Amazing. But oh what God. I was going to say was the food tastes amazing. So that tiny amount of foam, is, it's going to taste amazing. But it's then intense. my issue is I want more of it. Yes. Yeah. And, and I suppose for the true kind of, you know food lover perhaps it's just that one mouthful is, is going to satisfy you isn't it it's that taste well you're, you're eating for a different purpose aren't you yeah. you're not eating it's the ultimate it's ultimate indulgence isn't it you're when you get to that level of skill you're not eating for hunger no you're it's, eating it's for your senses isn't it rather than your, your stomach yeah, a complete a complete sensory experience mm. which is always what's kind of amazed me about food which is it is it's, it's science but it's also extremely sensory you know those that <laughs> and then there's the emotional thing I feel like we've it. I feel like we've possibly gone over into a dark place where Gloria starts kind of emoliating herself with um <laughs> with, with some of some of Martha's Michelin sauces <laughs> oh god if, if you I say sensory on that one more time <laughs> but it is it is sensory you know no, absolutely. absolutely. Sens- almost, I mean, yeah, sensual, possibly. I, I, think, I think I might be, well, not a bit of a peasant, quite a lot of a peasant, because I'm somebody, who, I kind of, I won't have afternoon snacks even if I'm going to a restaurant tonight. I want to be able to kind of have three oh, courses. No, I thought everyone did that. I, I, do that. I save up for the big feed <laughs> later on. <laughs> and and if, if I'd saved myself up for most of the day and only had one or two meals before that, I'd be like, what? Well, where's the rest of it? Strategic, yeah. That's yeah. strategic, mm-hmm. isn't it? Strategic yeah. eating. Yeah. But then uh, on the other hand, I mean, we've discussed before how, uh, yeah, how Will and I have a disagreement about <laughs> about portion sizes <laughs> in restaurants. Ah. <laughs> He's a fan of the large plate. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and I found myself saying the words, but it's just vulgar. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do you know what I think? I, I think I found is, that, is is actually key. When I have three courses, even if they're small portions, I'm always full, and it's the right amount of full in a restaurant. I don't feel bloated like you do after a roast at your, at your mum's house mm. when she's when she's trying to feed you instead of loving you for the past week. <laughs> you know, she's she's making up for, for the neglect for the past six months and not being interested in your life by giving you like half she's a chicken, just making up the love. yeah, and <laughs> seventeen roast potatoes. So, but 
and I'm, I'm, I'm not hungry, but I think maybe it's because sometimes I'm making that stupid choice of going, well, I have a starter or a dessert. And really, the clear thing to do is just have all three, isn't it? And feel sick. And I hate that feeling no, of being sick, though. Not feeling sick. Have three small, yes. kind of like restaurant-sized portions and then feeling full in a nice way and not like you want to be sick. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the feeling sick business. Feeling well, sick, not f- good. No. Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be on your comment card in your restaurant. <laughs> take this one bloody brilliant or feeling sick not good (laughs) i always do that though with shall i have a starter or a dessert and i always choose starter but then i always have a dessert as well anyway yeah (laughs) or just just like pilfer bits off people's plates oh i do that straight fork i'm shockingly bad not a fan of that no No. people don't like it do they they really don't (laughs) if you want a dessert just order one you're not eating mine (laughs) yeah i think they see it as actual theft like you're stealing mm. their food. I know. It's it's it's. You have to know the person before you do that because do. some people get really really angry. angry. And I think I think we probably all like suffer under the same delusion of double standards. As in, if it's my food, it's my food. If it's on somebody else's plate, it is therefore community property, yeah. and I'm entitled to at least a taste of it, if not a good a goodly portion. <laughs> Say a third. I did hear someone say once that they hated it so much that like someone reached for their plate and they just went <laughs> and grabbed their wrist. Like, don't even think about it. It's like a psycho. Oh God. Can Do you remember when I was sharing a house not, not too long ago and um, I'm an awful greedy cow. <laughs> they caught me coming in drunk and just just stealing their food not stealing it i was brazenly eating it in front of them going this is really good cheese henry <laughs> <laughs> it was actually for a dish i was making tomorrow but find me i just eat a half a block it wouldn't go it was, it was mm, yeah, yeah i will it's great thanks <laughs> <laughs> i think i think I, I grew up in too friendly a household where a fridge was always open as it was you know you always mm-hmm. had access to a ladder or a fridge everyone's cupboards were yours there to, to peruse mm-hmm. and I have, I'm having to retrain myself. Yeah, I've already been in your cupboards this morning. It was oh, the first yeah. thing I did. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I did bring food as well. That's all. I did bring some thing. as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That you can get away with it. You just bring food, and then you just, <laughs> you just kind of. I will help myself to this as well. <laughs> Thanks very much. That's great. Brilliant. Amazing. I suppose. I feel like we've kind of you know we've covered the basics here. The basics of the we have food. we have yeah, yeah. we haven't really I mean we haven't hit upon the other portion of our talk yet which yeah. was which is which is particularly seeing as you may have noticed there are three women sat around the table mm-hmm. well you won't have noticed they're sat around the table because you're not <laughs> actually here <laughs> Gloria's setting a scene <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so just imagine a scene it's a really hot day we're all sat around the table oh. we've kind of got some iced water to hand this is sounding like the start it's of a so porn film <laughs> Really suspicious. <laughs> it's getting hot. Sorry, I'm fanning have, myself. I, I feel like maybe you've been reading too many girls and boons or something recently. Oh, whose fault would that be here? <laughs> the other week, it just came round. She recognises the weakness in me. She's like, oh yeah, I found this the other day. You might want to have them. Mother load of milf and boons. <laughs> really, <laughs> really good ones from the 60s as well. So there's no sex. It's no just, sex. It's just kind of Kiss really passionate <laughs> embraces. And, and, and they always manage to pull back 
from having sex in his car <laughs> or against the wall of a house or something and and it's all quite you know you, because you have to know as a reader that there is passion there and yet they respect each other enough not to just go not until wait until they're married. Wait until <laughs> yeah, it's always wait until married, and he's always going to have some, oh yeah, some lantern jaw and, and yeah. piercing eyes. And, <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. I could probably yeah, write good. one yeah. like straight <laughs> off. You, you made him sound like one of those underwater beasts. I <laughs> 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 just discovered. Maybe that will be my angle. <laughs> yeah, the love, the dare nots, come out of the water. <laughs> <or something. laughs> Sounds dirty. I think you've got a carry on. You've got the carry on. Once it starts, you know. Anyway, so um, n- no more setting the scene. No I think for say, you, I think um, I think if, if if you want something to set the scene, just raise your hand towards me or Marcia, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll do it for you. Yeah, will in, you? All right, in, thanks. In a non-provocative manner. I can't uh, help it. I'm just clearly <laughs> burgeoning with potential today so i think well anyway, the thing point is I was yeah we're yes. going to a really serious bit of the talk now instead yeah. of just glorious lusty fantasies so women chefs and cooks mm-hmm. that was uh it's kind of implied basically in some of the things we've been saying <laughs> All I can think of now is Gypsy Stramps and Thieves, the Cher song. <laughs> Women, chefs and cooks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but this, this, is, this is quite a serious topic, isn't it? Because, um, well, I mean, I think it's quite a serious topic. Like, yeah. Women, women as cooks rather than chefs and how insulting that is. Yeah, it is an interesting... I just think it's a really... It's just interesting. I just find it very interesting. When you have... Yeah, the... Women as cooks is much more common in the domestic sphere. That's where a lot of women's cooking tends to happen. That you that you s- kind of see influential food writers like uh, like Delia Smith, mm. like Claudia Roden, like the all time Elizabeth David, you know Jane Grigson, really really influential in the domestic sphere. But you don't see that visibility in in the kind of in the professional sphere mm-hmm. it's changing yes but you don't see it so much like you, we were talking earlier Marcy and you were saying we we're saying about Michelin stars and women with Michelin stars which so that's a particular kind of cooking mm. and you're pati- cooking in a particular way but you know it is a recognition of excellence but there's kind of what there's now how there many? are 10 in the UK 10 women with stars and there used to be four there were four last year I think it's, I- it's either gone up by four or it's gone up from four I can't remember that's that's quite amazing when you kind of think in kind of in proportion to how many guys there are i mean how many is that kind of i'm not sure how many how many there are i know that um men outnumber women by nine to one in the kitchen really mm-hmm. is that just in a head chef position or is that no that's across, across the board yeah wow so it is it is a male dominated industry mm-hmm. incredibly so and yeah th- there's probably a few a few reasons why well i mean yeah one of those reasons, I I don't know if this is a reason or not, but I I, th- I think it's a big part of it that women are seeing as cooking with love. You know, it's it's about love. It's about nourishing your family, isn't it? And, 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 and me- men can go and be mad scientists like Heston Blumenthal and it's all wonderful. Mm, I think that's certainly the way that women and men are portrayed, especially yeah. on television. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because you get that whole thing. And also, like, um, 
adjectives to describe that it's the whole thing of the question of is there such a thing as men and women's food mm. which i'm not sure if i agree with but you know like if you were had a uh cooking a particularly hearty plate of food perhaps if it were woman's food it would be you know delightful warming nourishing yeah. men would kind of be hearty robust mm-hmm. strong mm-hmm. there's definite um switch to it isn't there we were talking about this the other day and we then we said, you know, a lot of things can be like that. It's only like the things an artist produces, but of a different media, you know. And mm. a, a, lot, a lot of the time you kind of, you ascribe things to the object that are actually qualities of the person themselves. Yes. They become masculine and feminine because of who they've been created by. And that's how you see them as being, you know, if, if something's playful, then you will see their work as being that as well. Definitely. There is something, there's something interesting about like the way that people cook. And if you... Because people do have their own ways of cooking. But I wonder how much you understand people's ways of cooking, you know, and influence how you experience their food, I wonder. Yeah, it's it's funny because you and I spend a lot of time talking about food. We never cook together. No. And I think think you're, you're quite cerebral and you're very much in your head. And I've seen when I've seen you cooking and just been kind of outside the kitchen looking in in fear because mm-hmm. she'll kind of pause in the middle of the kitchen and sort of go in go into her head <laughs> and have a couple of minutes of stewing something out and then and then she's made a decision and she goes about it and with, attacks it with fairly robotic precision <laughs> with the odd bit of swearing whereas I, I i i tend to be quite kind of unhurried and lazy and just slopping about putting things in pans and uh, <laughs> it's all a bit haphazard but you actually think things through quite quite will won't be in the kitchen when i'm no. cooking he's, he's <laughs> like you're really annoying <laughs> actually that's one thing that i've learned um after having trained is that i can't do that anymore i can't just go in and go oh, what shall i do well maybe i'll do this i've got to have a plan i need to know yeah. exactly what i'm doing exactly what utensils i need exactly what food i need and get it all out and get it all ready and then start okay. and I, I was not like that before that's interesting because i tend to I do tend to know what I'm cooking and I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, even when I'm, because I've already thought about it during the day, I've thought, oh, I've got so-and-so in my cupboard. Mm. Right. I'll be making that this evening. Mm, yeah. So I usually do. I usually do have a plan when I'm cooking. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I very rarely do kind of, but you, you know, you're quite experimental too, though. You'll kind of, you'll attempt a different technique as you're doing it as well you sort of like chop and change a bit just as like a self-teaching thing which yes. is really interesting yeah, to watch I... because you achieve quite a lot like that way but i just it wouldn't occur to me because i'm quite one task mm-hmm. you know i just start on my little road of, of getting to this final thing that's in my head and i can only do the thing i already know how to do i wouldn't I w- although going back to the kind of gender thing i wouldn't say that i experience men and women's food particularly differently you know i don't think there's such a thing as male cooking and female cooking although having said that i i do sometimes think is that interest in the kind of molecular and equipment stuff a particularly boys toys thing Mm. or is Mm. it just where you go when you've got so far with your cooking that you want to yeah is it an inevitable kind of exploration of 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 what what you can do with food like anything else is i mean i don't know the the equivalent is sort of face cream you know <laughs> dna and cell <laughs> renewal and there's placenta in this and oh it's gonna be dead yeah, good you for you and that or just and try- so, so, so so either go all like home garden and I, i'm earthy and natural or, or you, you become scientific don't you and it's you have to pick a path 
and and one path is kind of going sort of foamy and molecular and mm. really really exploring taking things down to their to their smallest parts and seeing how they fit together and everything or just you know just somebody who throws potatoes unpeeled into a pan with some stock <laughs> and <laughs> serves it, <laughs> with it. <laughs> i mean why do you think that there are there's nine to one that it's such a male-dominated industry. I mean, we've kind of we've outlined a few mm. reasons, haven't we? Mm-hmm. I think um, that women's women's roles are seen differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, for a fact, you know, women are the ones that have to have the babies for a start. So, <laughs> yeah, physically, there's just that there's just that barrier. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, in some industries, you you know, women can have it all. You can have the child, go back to work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in cooking, in chefery. Basically, if you're working such long hours that we, we hit off that we hit up on earlier on, yeah. I don't think that the two go together. It does require a huge commitment, doesn't it? Mm. But also, I mean, I, oh God, I saw something the other day, and well, not the other day, but obviously a couple of weeks ago, and I find it quite shocking because they were talking about um, how the roles were divvied up and sort of household tasks were divvied up between the male and female partner. If you're in a family that has a mum and dad there and there are kids and there's cooking to be done and cleaning to be done. And I, I think for so long, it has not been a part of, of, of your kind of joyous, creative, professional life. It would never even be seen that because you may as well ask somebody, well, do you want to go and be a professional kind of hearth scrubber? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually. No, I have to do that every day. I, 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 I don't want to go and have someone teach me how to suck eggs. I have to, you know, I'm, I'm, you're making, for so long women just did all the cooking yeah. And and they did it without kind of without comment or without expecting congratulation. It was just part of their role. And I think what's so shocking is that it's still part of of of, of most women's life now. Yeah, you know, they're still expected to fulfil those really traditional roles and yet have a job on top of it. Yeah. And so if maybe some women just think, well, I don't want to be making breakfast and then rushing to work to prep and then go home and feed my kids their tea and then go back to work and serve two hundred other people a meal. Mm. Oh, I know. Because so they're already doing it so much. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's possible to make uh, to make steps to make the industry a more family friendly place? I mean, you know, because, you know, there are men who cook who, who have children, too. You yeah. know, they yeah, you but know. they have wives as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you, yeah, it's that thing of you, if you're going to do this job, you need you need a support. You either need, mm, you, you know, do. you need a partner who is mostly responsible for the for the kind of ke- the domestic side of things. Mm. I mean, I don't see any reason why. You know, there can't be part-time female chefs. And I'm sure there must be part-time female chefs out there. Or do you find that women tend to cook slightly differently? Like, they, they may go into catering or... I mean, is that how it often works as Possibly, well? Run, yeah, run their I'm own businesses. Because mm. I've kind of noticed that a lot of a lot of catering companies, uh, small businesses, mm. which are a keeper regular hours mm-hmm, rather yeah. than kind of restaurant cooking, tend to be tend to be more more women-led. Which means that you don't get, you get, you get less women going on further in the kind of thing of, of Michelin stars and mm. what have you. Which, I, you know, I don't know, it, it, it feels like it ought to be equally representative. But I think, I, I mean, you just said that there are now 10 in, in the UK and I think things are drawing to a more, slowly to a more equal footing. They are. And, that, and I think the roles are being slightly redefined, sort of men it's not seeing as being silly or sissy or uncool to, to actually cook at home the way the way it was. You know, people like sort of Jamie Oliver and Gordon Ramsay with his very masculinely designed cookbooks have changed that because cook, cookbooks before were, you know, 
Claudia and Elizabeth and, 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 and very or feminine tones you're keep, and directory. You're keeping the house for the first time. Yeah. Here's a book to tell you how to do exactly. it. Exactly. And, and it, it wasn't, it, it was never a boy's kind of area. And whereas now it's 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 fine. It's it's like a masculine pursuit, you know. I can cook, and it's something men say and they're proud of. That's interesting, actually. Yeah, because there is a slight movement. Then yeah. there's a movement in the other way, which is men being less interested, or it being totally valid which, for a man to be interested yeah. in domestic cooking mm-hmm. as well as professional. Although cooking. apparently, even though the sale of cookery books has gone through the roof, people still aren't cooking at home. They go out and eat the food in the restaurants. Yeah. I find that really interesting. Which is great news for people who have restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the other thing about restaurant, if you're if you're wanting to kind of follow that path, is it's incredibly physical, isn't it? The work. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, it's hard work. You're on your feet, fifteen, you know, fifteen hours. You're, you know, reaching up to shelves. You're lugging heavy pans. Oh you know. gosh, the pastry mixer. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> so heavy. <laughs> so you, you've got to be, yeah. There is a kind of, there's an element of you need to be strong to do this job mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, not to say that women can't, but there is also just that consideration as well about being being physically there as well. Mm. Although there's, there, there's a tradition, not just in, not just in cooking and chefing or what, whatever, you know, um, the, of there, there are professions that you wouldn't think would be male dominated and are, I think I mentioned to you something like, something strange sort of like eventing and show jumping and 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 people in in sports who say work with horses and our jockeys they tend to be mostly men which is so interesting because it's, it's such a and there's so many women you there know you are, always think women who are interested in horses and, and, and particularly things yeah, particularly horses i know it's a strange one to like to to land upon but um <laughs> i've got an opinion right so why not <laughs> and um but it's it's very much you know it's very much a girly thing to like ponies and to like horses and the people who keep the small businesses who sell horse feed and trailers and jodper boots and things going are the the female buyers you know it's the girly pound doing it all all your teenies and things but the men who lead the profession i was about to say they're all men well obviously i just said that but it, I, I think that speaks a lot about again the commitment you can put into it i think a lot of it is to do with um with what the demands of the job are and if you're expected to work two shifts so and, it's and, it, and it's only now that women can expect that kind of house husband, house parent support from their male partner yeah. instead of it automatically devolving on th- upon them to do all of that role. That so they can go out and work the longer hours and things. Is it, so is it more, it's a question of practicalities. It's not about people thinking women can't do this, but that the industry hasn't hasn't moved to accommodate how people's lives oh i mean happen. i think it's probably a combination i'm sure probably i'm sure for a, lot, for a long time people have thought when women couldn't do it because they weren't yeah mm, yeah that is a good point billing yeah because i mean there is the there is the image of of cook you know sh- professional cooking as being quite a macho industry i mean i don't know I have been around kitchens where they yeah. are run like that. Yeah. You yell, <laughs> you know, you, you bang things. The guy, you know, <laughs> they make really rude comments about the waitresses. <laughs> you know, it, and, and you do tend to get that split where front of house quite often, you know, especially in not really, not not kind of Michelin-starred restaurants, but kind of good restaurants, good kind of f- local restaurants. Yeah. You tend to get front of house being female and the, the chefs are, are mostly male. I mean, it was... Have you experienced anything like that in the kitchen of a kind of really macho atmosphere, or has it just been a male atmosphere, which is I think different? It, it can be macho purely because they're all men. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It didn't seem testosterone fueled when I was there. There, were, there it was very sweary. 
there was lots of effing a lot of effing yeah. <laughs> um which apparently they toned down because i was there i was quite really? surprised by this <laughs> yeah. that's interesting but it's interesting it that they yeah. toned it down i yeah. mean probably because you were a student but mm. i'm sure that your gender had something to do with it as well, well actually i think i probably was treated differently because i was um, a woman um there was a commie chef there who was very much treated as the runt which apparently is the norm and they were they were very nice to me very nice that's really interesting so they actually they kind of they looked after you a bit more mm, absolutely yeah oh, that's really interesting that's that's really interesting you're making me want to get a job there <laughs> <laughs> it sounds ace i know it does sound and amazing. and and, th- and there's nothing like feeling like you've kind of won your place in a team like that when you've kind of dealt with the banter and you've been sworn at 50 times and you've kind of buggered something up and then put it right or you've helped somebody out and it's ace to feel that so such such a part of something yeah, a big challenge. When on I the say team. it was sweary, there wasn't it wasn't abusive. No, no, it's it's no, it's, yeah. it's more it's more incidental, isn't it? It's just part yeah, of the job. Yeah. It's part of the atmosphere this at that point. The air is blue, isn't it? Because people are working effing. under stress and yeah, there was no head chef getting angry and no. shouting at people because it's just going to be counterproductive, basically, isn't it? Because it's just going to make you more stressed and balls it up yeah. even more. Because I mean, yeah, the p- personality of the chef. The person in charge is going to influence the kitchen. I mean, I've mm. been in some really noisy kitchens and I've been in some very quiet kitchens, you know. And uh, it was quite interesting when I used to work in a place watching how, and I have to say, there was a gender difference between how the woman, when she was when she was running the kitchen, and how the bloke, how that one of the blokes would run the kitchen. Very different feel. Very different really? feel. Yeah, she she was just she was just like she would ask people to do things. Mm. And uh, and then he would go, come on, I need that. Well, you know, it was just a bit more, just a bit more swagger. Did you respond differently to them? Did you did you work better for one or the other? I responded differently in that I used different, I used different communication techniques yeah. to get the best out of mm. them. I'd flirt with the chefs, <laughs> I'd flirt with the guys, and uh, with the with the with the woman, I I kind of just asked her really directly, like just kind of like yes. i need this can you the compliment of being a professional yeah i yeah. was yeah, i was really professional with her and with the guys i tended to be more it was more banter to kind of get them <laughs> to do what i needed which in in the context of which we put it now seems like a really bad insult but at the time you're just using whatever you can aren't you yeah you, you're completely. getting along on whatever plane you can get along with them at. and if if their particular brand of banter is is slightly sexual in tone or slightly innuendo based then fine yeah i'll meet them there. and it's that workplace isn't it it's that environment mm. Yeah, exactly. I it would I would meet them wherever yeah. they were they were and in order to kind of slot into that and, and to get, you know, my dishes out on time basically, you know, I was I was interested in that. There's the other thing which I was kind of thinking about, which is um why are women pastry chefs? This well, yeah. Tell us Marcia. Well, well this is <laughs> this is an interesting one, which is you do tend to get and I've in a few kitchens I've 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 kind of worked with, the uh you get the guys on the pass. And you get really exquisite work, and it's women on the on the pastry, so, you know, women in desserts. Yeah, I think it goes back to what a woman's role is supposed to be. Mm. I mean, personally, that's why I think mm. that you know they're oh yeah, you know, yes, just just do us an apple pie, love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. But it must also go back to gender roles and the way children are brought up to you know Absolutely. be different, yeah. the way women are brought up. I and uh, you, you have this kind of I have this image in my head of, of of the proprietor saying this is you know John and he he works on grill and they've got Marcia 
she takes care of our puddings. <laughs> How nice for her. Yeah. <laughs> Marcia's stabbing little holes in the souffles. Yeah, because again, it's not like it's not like anyone is incapable or perceived to be incapable of doing that. Yeah, surely, surely, if you can be a pastry chef. You've shown the kind of diligence and skill and commitment to be any kind of chef. The hours are just Surely. as long. Technically, you're yeah. doing some really extraordinary yeah, yeah, things. Hours are, can be longer as well because you're the one that's there serving the desserts after you know the grill chefs and the chef's yeah. party have gone home. Yeah, and then you're and then you're up doing the kind of bloody pastry, pastry. Oh, mm-hmm. my nemesis. But um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's I I, I find that very interesting it's like i used to, i think there are still though in the in the catering industry there are still vestiges of people who operate in an old school way i used to work with a guy who believed this is front of house but he believed that uh women on the floor i wait waitressing men behind the bar oh god and he he just he his reason his rationale was i want women to come into the bar and i think that so I'll have a nice looking guy behind the bar and uh, and I want women I think that women are better at waitressing <laughs> really weird that's ridiculous I know I feel quite insulted by that I yeah, know I it's so I know it was so I mean the whole so good looking barman thing's bang on but um, <laughs> 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 what the whole women better as waitresses how insulting for every kind of self-respecting skilled waiter out there <laughs> but <laughs> well, if you exactly. go onto the continent though um, you know, you get career waiters, and they're yes, always they men. Yeah. yeah, and and they take a great deal of pride in it. Mm. And yeah. it's 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 not. I mean, I don't know. I think it seemed, but maybe it's the atmosphere. I kind of view these things in. When I went to restaurants as a teenager, it was like to be kind of weird family themed, ha- pretending to be Italian, but actually run <laughs> by two brothers from Leeds. You know, kind of some some horrortastic event. And and it wasn't being a waiter there meant you you couldn't get a proper job. It meant you you were waiting until you were eighteen and you could get something legit instead yeah. of just dishing out burgers and chips. But when you go to a decent restaurant, I mean in Greece particularly, one place um, I used to go to quite a lot, and they'd be gliding around these kind of really slender men, looking like something from a painting from the thirties, you know, arms aloft and yeah. and and um and very twinkly eyed and friendly and warm because it wasn't a really cool stiff atmosphere, but um but deadly professional mm. and took a lot of pride in what they did. Mm. I do wonder if they're kind of, you know, yeah, with the, with the pass. Mm-hmm. I think especially about having women on the pass. I do wonder if there's that thing of, well, you know, we don't want you to do that because it's, uh, I could I could just be imagining this, you know. I do wonder if there's there's one or two, there's one or two chefs out there who kind of feel like it's not really appropriate to put a woman on the pass. Well, that's what it takes, isn't it? It's, it's not as if there are, it's not as if we're kind of stumbling over Michelin star restaurants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it only takes a couple of them to bottom quite a decent percentage of those who have a say in how kitchens are run, especially the the, the professional kitchens, the ones, the very high end ones. But I think I think most blokes don't care who who's cooking. Really, yeah. I think yeah. I almost wonder if there's a part, a partly it's the it's women who are cooking who kind of who say I'm more comfortable. I'm co- you know I'm more comfortable here. Yeah, stepping down. Yeah. You know. I wonder if it's just a Western thing, though, with um, yeah. women in the kitchen. Because I know from being in Thailand, for instance, that the chefs, the cooks, well, I, they, I suppose they call themselves cooks in the small restaurants if you go to the south of Thailand. Mm. They're always women. Yeah, yeah. And the men run the front. That's interesting, yeah. It's just made, yeah, so it could just be like, yeah, the way that we conceive of cuisine mm. and, and the way that we do it. 
it's interesting i mean yeah it's 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 not fixed and i think a lot of a lot of it just has to do with the practicalities doesn't it which you know it wouldn't hurt to change it's you know there's no bad thing about just making the hours not so long yeah yeah i know we need to speak to mr cameron about the working time directive (laughs) (laughs) wow yes (laughs) yes we do because uk can opt out of the working time thing can't you Mm. we've 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 opted out of it whereas all other european countries i think france has literally just opted out as well really Mm. wow Wow. gone back on it oh yeah because sarkozy was kind of really pushing that wasn't he so we can opt out of and in fact i've signed some contracts saying that i that you don't mind working more than 35 hours a week yeah working more than 40 40 in 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 the contract some contracts that i've signed but there's like there was a case recently was it in london of a guy yeah, yeah. working chef who was i think he was working 14 hour days um he was working 14 hour days solidly for three weeks he didn't have any time off oh my god and he started feeling ill Obviously. um i think it got to about easter and he went home went to bed and never woke up because he's he contracted tonsillitis and his immune system just shut down and he died wow and his hours kind of clearly contributed mm. to that of course they exhaustion. did exhaustion um, you think about how how hard people work to get basic what we consider really basic rights like a day off a week mm. minimum you know yeah. and, and 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 some industries are asking you to kind of give that up and stuff and that that's that's a commitment far and beyond if you ever work sort of i've done that in a very much less demanding role than mm. than working in a kitchen where it's like you said physically tiring as well as mentally and you you're, you're really running fire on all, on all cylinders aren't you but i've done it in jobs where you could coast some of the times like call centers and things and i've still been absolutely knackered and it would always happen that the very the very day i got off would be the day i fell ill the, the days <laughs> yeah. that, the days i had to get out of bed and go and do it i, I would be able to drag myself through maybe four or five weeks mm-hmm. of never having a lie-in and then the first day off i had i would get a throat infection <laughs> because <laughs> that was my foible yeah, and it must be like like my weak spot you know and every time i, I run myself into the ground to that extent i, I would no, get, I would get relax sick. Yeah. finally relax and finally relax so the, yeah the evil beasties within go absolutely now it will get you. <laughs> yeah. and i think there is um there is a slight kind of uh a thing about you know saying oh, I can handle it, I can deal with it. But I think actually it's balls. I mean, you know, and there are similar industries, you know, financial service industry, especially when you're kind of starting out, you know, if you're if you're in the stock market, again, it's really long hours. And I think that kind of, it's no longer okay to say that's the culture, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. I just think, no, that's bollocks. Why don't we just find another way of working, mm-hmm. you know, and actually be really conscious that some people can end up working those long hours, you know, there are there is. I'm I am f- fully of the opinion that there is nothing worth working no. those kind of hours for. Really, no. Agreed. You know, not not for any long amount of time. I've done it, but you know, when I was young. But now I'm old and decrepit. I can't <laughs> do it anymore. <laughs> but I don't think there is. I don't there's think there's any reason to do that it. That runs through a lot of industries and a lot of professions. So that idea that, that that you go through a certain apprenticeship, even if it's not a, like a real apprenticeship in terms of names, but it's understood that you'll either work without pay for a couple of years. Or you'll, or if you're a young doctor, they'll, yeah, you you'll just be on shift all the time. You won't yeah. sleep for twelve months, you know. And it's, there you hear these notorious things, and um, that exists in a lot, in a lot of different professions. And I think it, yeah, it should be stopped because young people, you know, they shouldn't be kind of buried alive as they are in work. Mm. Yeah, and it, it, it's a bit of a trial by fire if you can get through these next few years and slog your guts out. 
Yeah, and I one day you'll you'll make it to a position where you'll be as smug as I am, and you can take this out on some underling. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, you know, I have bought into it as well. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of working hard, but I just think, no. especially, and I think it's it's responsibility of managers and employers to say, I am not okay with you working. You know, this is part of what mm. I think. I am not going to set up the structure so you work this way. I completely agree. It's got to be from the top down. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, they, they, something must be done about it. And it's also about creating a culture though, because, you know, you can easily buy into the idea that, you know, that about toughing it out. And I've done that, you know, but actually yeah. it's, it, it doesn't work. You know, you work longer, you work stupider. <laughs> no, you do. Yeah, you that do. You make mistakes true. when you get tired. Yeah. Yeah. One of my friends said to me the other day, and she's, um, she can be a little blunt sometimes, but she often says things that completely shock me by, by how right she is. She's <laughs> so right on sometimes. And I think I was brought up in, in, in that, on that kind of working class ethos of, you know, you work really hard. And no matter how kind of demeaning or tiring or difficult a job is, you give it your all and it's, it's good work I, karma. I agree, I agree and, and with I, that. I agree wholeheartedly with it. But, you know, then the other day she said to me, oh, Mia, I've no intention of living in for the rest of my life. I um I want to be always waking up at ten and having an espresso and smoking a thin Italian cigarette and a lazy lunch by the time I'm forty. That that's what I want my day to be. And I thought it's it's something I I would if I if I'd said that to my, to anybody really I'd have felt a bit ashamed. But she said it was such a plum. I thought you're so right. Why why do and I'm thinking well by the time sixty five I'll I won't be allowed to retire. I'll be seventy yeah. or seventy five we're working too. And she has no no plans to work into anything like that age. And she said it was such you know brilliant yeah it was such confidence and like well how dare you judge me and like it was fine i thought well, well yeah i mean she's I, probably I, right i have i i want to continue working but you know i have set up my life so that actually i get paid less but i work less and yes. you know i have i have a you know i only work about 30 35 hours a week really you know which is and i'm contracted to do even less but it's, but all, it's better know. to be good at a job for less time, isn't it? Than yeah. go in and be and be clock watching and counting the hours down. That that's an awful stage to be at. Yeah, no, can't definitely. wait to get out there. Definitely, yes. You see, that's we we could just end it there on like a clarion call of like <laughs> this isn't strictly. I mean, the gender thing is interesting, but I think it does come down to it comes yeah. down to the culture, the hours culture, mm-hmm. a lot of it because you know women want to have babies sometimes yeah sometimes you some know, some women men might want to see their children occasionally and <laughs> thank god i mean i really hope every other british woman out there has loads of kids i, 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 I need people to keep like i need people to really start pumping them out so there's something in the pot when i retire <laughs> but um but i really no thanks not for me <laughs> yeah, we're counting on you ladies yeah please <laughs> please <laughs> Well, I just want to say thank you to Marcia for coming on the show. It's been yeah, great. Very welcome. I've loved Bravo. It. Thanks. Back. So, yeah. yeah. Completely. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Gosh, come back. Gosh. And we're going to have a whole episode about us tasting foam. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best. And what's the word again? Verification. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's my, that's my word. Spuma. 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 Even just saying that. It sounds, sounds better weird. foam, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Spuma. Although it does sound a little bit like <laughs> we did you know we never touched upon like various things just to glance over them briefly like delightful miss dahl who's on tv at the oh moment my gosh, and it's kind of we miss that she's, yeah. she's icing sugar in human form and just as kind of 
saccharine and an insult oh, to to and an insult to an insult to women like, everywhere thousands yeah. of really talented female chefs absolutely i'm gonna yeah. probably rant about her if you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. get onto it <laughs> yeah. and how she's made nigella seem like a positive sign of like heavy brain hasn't she <laughs> She, she's but made the way those like real two deal. are both portrayed they're both portrayed as oh yeah yeah i like to do this but you know i've I'd, I'd no idea how to use a knife so i've got to use this mezzaluna thing to chop <sighs> my herbs and veg but oh god i'm just a silly girl but I, you know i'd rather just go and find some cake i can dip my finger in and stick in my mouth to That's turn on all really the really good point yeah. the, the irony of this is marcia you see nobody listening to this can obviously see marcia but you wouldn't look that far amiss in one of those programs yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Brunette, large eyes, you know. <laughs> I, I, I could see you kind of sort yeah. of licking some frosting off your finger. Yeah, well, you know. But as then long as I could wear some chef whites at the time, yeah. you know, professional. <laughs> yeah. some chef to go, and now this is my knife. <laughs> D- dabbing yourself with a damp tea towel. I'm so, so hot. <laughs> <laughs> chef you just get me to come on and narrate it with my <laughs> unfortunate double entendres. <laughs> be there, it'd be amazing. Oh okay, Sorry. so uh, I've been Gloria Lind. I've been Mia Steele. And I've been Marcia Powie. <laughs> Brunette, <And> dark eyes. <laughs> large, <laughs> large eyes. Large eyes, large eyes. <laughs> and this has been Crimes Against Food. Um, you can, uh, if you go to www.simplysyndicated.com, you can find uh, episodes of our shows, previous episodes of the shows. You can find the forums uh, with uh, some interesting discussions going on in the food area. Um, Crimes Against Food area. There are also many other shows put out by the network, which I'm not going to list for once. Yeah, they're all right, but they're not as good as us, obviously. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, that, that was for you, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Tootsie bye. Bye. bye.